Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 396, Creating a Better Leadership Cohort for the Future. Today, we're going to be talking about the impact leaders and leadership should seek to have on the world that comes next. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the pages to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today, for the third time in recent months, is mm-hmm. Nigel Gerling, who's Senior Consultant of Inspirational Development Group. Welcome back, Nigel. Great to have you here. Hi, Joe. Yes, lovely to be here. Lovely to when, when somebody has so much to say, you can't fit it all into one show. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So you're you're not the person who's been here the most times, but you're definitely the person who's been here the most times in the shortest space of time. <laughs> <laughs> so start for, for people who haven't listened to you um, in, on the other two shows just by telling us a bit about who you are and where you come from, your background and, and your connection with the whole engagement thing and then we'll sort of get into the, the third show of the, of the series. <laughs> well, okay. I was probably guru number five or six of the original guru yeah. group that David Anita oh. formed. So I've, I've been in from the beginning, and I'm, I'm now doing community service by continuing. But um, my background is is both as a leader. I've been a CEO in several organizations, but more particularly as a developer of other leaders. Um, for the Inspirational Development Group, I head up our professional qualifications school. So I take leaders through uh, professional qualifications at sort of graduate, postgraduate, and doctoral levels in how to be effective doing this job that we all have. So that's really my interest. And, and the reason I've stayed connected really with Engage for Success is because I believe that leaders are the key to this and that we haven't really worked that out yet, which is what today's mm-hmm. subject uniquely is all about. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in the other shows, we, we started with the, um, the point engagement is not the point and that we should be instead seeking to build better organizations, doing better work with better outcomes to create a better world. Um, and yeah. then we talked in quite a lot of detail about needing to transform our leaders first. And mm-hmm. it's something that um, in some ways sort of coming up with this topic was for me a bit like, you know, yeah, exactly. That's what we talk about all the time. <laughs> We're always talking about yeah. how to get better leaders and how to help our leaders manage better. I mean, you know, like you, I mean, you've you've gone into much sort of greater depth than taught people and everything else. But, you know, I, I started as a lowly HR manager in, I don't know, 1988 <laughs> in a supermarket. And uh, it feels like it's been the, you know, topic du jour for the <laughs> intervening yeah. time. So yeah. why do we keep talking about it and why haven't we cracked it? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's loads of reasons that I can reel off. But one primary one is that we still don't get what the job is. Um, right. We still think of a lot of leadership as being about control, a command, delivering mm-hmm. outcomes and targets and all those things clearly do matter but they're not 
the bit we're bothered about is the engagement movement. We're just mm. in their ability to infuse and engage and coach and mentor and, and liberate and support and all those kinds of things, empower. And typically the way we view leadership and management in the UK plays against that completely on every level. You know, mm. we, we incentivize our leaders to deliver usually numerical targets. Um, we often end up dividing and conquering because we'll pitch several leaders and managers with those kinds of targets that are actually um, disconnected from each other or even contrary to each other. Because yeah. we still take a very, I think, kind of naive attitude to how you motivate and incentivize people. So we give it a number and then we offer them another number, which is usually in pounds, to achieve that first number, as if somehow mm-hmm. that was the point. That's really why I started off with the engagement's not the point thing, but I, and then moved on to the kind of making profits isn't the point either. Because that, yeah. that sort of thinking drives this belief that the job of a leader is to deliver profits for someone else. And that doesn't really help us in the engagement argument because it's almost the opposite of engagement. It means that people are being squeezed as a material in the process to deliver the results for someone else. That's, mm-hmm. that's where, why we are where we are, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we, like I say, we all, many of us, <laughs> spent many years trying to improve all of that. But the last, obviously, year with the pandemic and, and people working from home and everything else has really sort of helped to highlight a lot of that stuff, isn't it? I mean, there's so much in the media at the moment about should people go back into the offices or shouldn't they? And do you trust them not to? Or to, you know, big companies, are some of them are saying, you know, Twitter's saying, at home as long as you want other big companies are saying no you've definitely got to come back and it's really interesting to see how inconsistent that is so it's not about whether you're a big company or a small company or a tech company or a modern company or or whatever there just seems to be so many different perspectives on it and and actually it's fast it comes down to you sort of think no one really trusts people do they no exactly and that's that's the the root of it because of course mistrust breeds mistrust so if you are a senior leader and you don't trust your middle managers, frontline managers and staff, then what chance have you got of them trusting you? You don't yeah. give them any reason to. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. This last 15, 18 months has really thrown all of this stuff in sharp relief. And I also, I think it's probably uh, thrown a kind of hand grenade into the middle of a lot of leaders' lives in that they've suddenly realised that actually the business can work quite well without them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the organization carries on functioning when they're not there to be whatever they think they are the driver the overseer the whipcracker the target setter all those kinds of things people are doing it without them i think a lot of it is yeah. mindset you know it's the thing about what do you think about people in the workplace do you think they're basically skiving losers who will only work if you make them do it or give them jelly beans or do you mm-hmm. think they're interested, committed, engaged people that want to do their best for the greater good. And mm. you know, that's the, that was McGregor's theory X and Y when I was a child that came out, that idea. And we're still mm. struggling with it now because we keep promoting people who believe the lazy, useless git version. Um, yeah. And we see the other version, the kind of empowering, supporting, getting out of their way version as weak. Yeah. So that seems yeah. often, you, you all know from your HR background, that often one of the big struggles you have in HR is that senior leaders still believe that that is weak management, it's letting people off the hook. Mm. And mm. when we think there is a hook, we're screwed. 
<laughs> so, because uh, surely the hook is people wanting to do things for for good reasons that they're engaged with because they believe in something, not yeah. in threatening them with dire consequences if they don't do it. Yeah. So um, you know, we have lots of very good leaders in this country, a hell of a lot of very good leaders, but they're still not, I don't think, the majority, and we've left too many no. of the other lot. Yeah, and it's also, you know, you've you sort of touched on a, a bit about purpose and, and, and the greater good and so on. And obviously within the movement, we talk about having a strong strategic narrative and ensuring that our people, you know, know what it is. But again, there, is, there isn't consistency really between organisations who have a very strong purpose and they're perhaps a social organisation or that, you know, they don't have shareholders to, to sort of impress and everything else and everyone else. So again, thinking back to what I just said about the, the pandemic with lots of different types of organizations having you know opposing views i i think it's still the same that you know you you'd think oh having an organization with a, a great purpose it would be really easy to engage people and get people working really well and if you haven't got a sexy purpose or it's quite mundane it must be a lot harder but again the examples we see are all varied depending you know not depending on purpose it's it, it's it's yeah, not that that does it either no, indeed. I mean, a lot of it, I think, comes down to leadership style and culture. Yeah. And we, we allow that in many organizations to just happen. You know, the, um, mm. I've said, you know, I've worked in organizations in my younger days where the prevailing leadership style was quite toxic. And if you didn't adopt that style, you were singled out as a, as a freak and a deviant and you weren't following the party line. Mm. Um, whereas... The same works in reverse. You get organizations with a really good people-orientated culture. People coming in become absorbed in that. They become like that too, or they bounce off. And so a lot of this comes down, I think, to the, the, the culture of the top two tiers in the organization. If they get it and they see the value in people and they want people to be their best, then they can create a culture which allows that. If they yeah. think that they need to control them and stop them from striving, they'll drag them back into the office. Yeah. We, we can see that happening. It's a mindset thing more than anything else. Yeah. But, you know, the, the bottom line for me is, is pretty simple, really, which is we talk about leadership management as a profession, but it isn't one. Mm. We, don't, we think it can be done by enthusiastic amateurs. It's just bizarre yeah. to me that. You know, in any other profession in inverted commas, you have to be trained and qualified to be allowed to do it, to have a license to operate. You can't decide you're an accountant because you said you were. You can't, you know, decide that you're a dentist and you start drilling holes in people because you feel like doing it or because someone else thinks you're a nice person. You, know, you, can't, yeah. you can't be an architect because you've read some books. You know, you have to be skilled and qualified in this and tested and assessed that you meet certain standards. Yeah. And it's bizarre to me that, that leadership management is probably the single most significant and all-pervasive profession, and yet we allow people to do it who don't know how. Yeah. It's just, it's just bizarre to me. You know, that, that that should not be the way things still are, but it no. still is. And so, so what's the sort of the solution for that? Because I just sort of think to myself, okay, so we have things like MBAs, and sometimes the people who've got those are actually worse than the people who've got yeah, no qualification. So those don't seem to be working. Then you've got, you know, your MBQs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and and then you've got people who are professionally trained in their own uh, area, so the finance mm -hmm. people or whatever, and they do have an element of leadership and management in their qualification, but that doesn't mm -hmm. seem to make that much of a difference either so what's the solution 
Yeah, that's a very interesting angle, isn't it? That, that on the one hand, we've had national professional standards for being a leader and manager for 30 years. And they're not right. the thing people talk about. As they'll, they'll talk about an MBA, which is very, very clearly nailed to career progression and earnings. Yeah. And you look at any business school when they're promoting their MBA, the, the lead things they promoted on are the salary uplift and the, what it does for your prospects. Yeah. You know, so the great majority of the cohort that do an MBA are sort of 25 to 35 climbing the greasy pole. Uh-huh. And, and that, that's actually not the point. We, if you look at an MBA, uh, I'm sad, so we do, you know, look across various business schools, MBAs, there's very little leadership content. Um, sometimes there's none. Sometimes there's uh-huh. a bit. But we treat all of them as, as of equal value. So if you've got MBA after your name, it doesn't matter where you got it. Well, it actually does matter where you got it, because that will tell you what you actually studied to get it. But it's an right. academic qualification to a large extent. So what you've been tested mm-hmm. on is whether you understood or whether you could do it. Uh, whereas, mm-hmm. and of course, like you mentioned MBQs, that the trouble with that is that we think those are for level two for people in overalls with a spanner. And so vocational professional qualifications are perhaps the, the secret, but they don't have enough credibility amongst particularly upper managers and leaders for them to think it's something they should do. So they go yeah. on a seminar or a webinar or something and they tick, I've done it. Yeah. It is a there is a better answer, and I'm happy to share my version of that later on. It's one of our later topics, I think, but, but yeah. there is a better answer. But my, yeah. I think we need to convince uh, human resources and leadership development people that that's the answer they should be seeking, because they often don't know about it either. Yeah. So I've developing. It's, sorry. Carry sorry, on. I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting. I've got a 14-year-old daughter, and we're talking at the moment about, you know, what she does next. And she, she doesn't really know what she wants to do from a career point of view. But th- there's a very clear um, future, which is, you know, A-levels university, even though, you know, she's got no idea what she wants to do and, and no idea on the sort of area, really. But it's um, when they're talking about, you know, what you can do and, and what the next steps are and everything else, there isn't really a thing around being a manager is there there's a you know you can be a an engineer or you can be a, an accountant sure. or you can be a lawyer or whatever but you don't nobody really leaves school saying i'm going to be a great leader i mean some people probably do but mostly people don't yeah usually the ones that do think that really need to be locked away somewhere in a, in a dungeon <laughs> but um but yes absolutely right yeah i mean we don't see it particularly as a career path no even though it's the most significant and probably in most cases the highest paid career path there is. Yeah. And child management, you talk about this, they talk about accidental managers. And we have thousands and thousands of them. People who had no yeah. intention of becoming a manager and leader who somehow have drifted into it because that's how you get pro- you know, promoted or that's how you earn more money. Yeah, yeah. And then you get it the works. good old Peter principle. Is it Peter principle? Exactly. Where you're promoted so, yeah. to the level of your own incompetence. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So people get promoted all, every time they're good until they reach the point where they're not good and then they stick there. Yeah. And okay, that any big organisation, you're probably going to find examples of that. People yeah. have kind of reached the level where they're no longer capable and they're just kind of stuck there, ignored mm-hmm. in a corner. The final job says, beware of the leprosy or something. You know. it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a worry to me that, that still something so fundamental is so little understood and so little mm-hmm. value. 
It's weird. Yeah. I, I just wonder whether anybody would imagine having a finance director that didn't have accountancy training. It'd yeah. have to be insane. But they'll have a chief executive that doesn't have any leadership management or strategic leadership training, which is yeah. more insane. But everybody yeah. thinks it's okay. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> bizarre, frankly. Yeah, yeah, it's it is sort of odd, and and also let let's sort of throw in the the sort of modern world with the flatter organisation structures as well, because mm-hmm. there isn't that career path. You know, I think back to my, you know, my in-laws who both worked in um, sort of public sector, and um, one of them was electrical engineer, and you know, same company, albeit with a load of takeovers <laughs> for for his yeah. whole career. But, you know, just went up a ladder that was just there. And we yeah. just we don't have that in the same way either now. And so yeah. does that make it better or worse? Yes, yeah, a very good question. Um, I think both actually it depends which organisation you're talking about and what their approach is. You know, we see um, if you take out several layers of, of management and leadership, that puts more onus on the ones that are left to be really effective at developing culture, creating a vision that people can engage with, and in being an engaging leader. Mm. But often We've taken out is the middle and so yeah. what you end up with actually is people at the front line who are rushed off their feet desperately trying to keep their heads above water and people at the top who have nothing to do with the great majority of the people in the organization and have meetings yeah. with each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've kind of developed the idea of being a senior leader into a kind of a celebrity thing and like, mm-hmm. like politicians where actually the skill you've got to have is being good in front of a camera and being good on your feet have to know how to do anything you just have to know how to look like somebody that's a good leader now i i have a, a a big issue around the whole concept of inclusion and diversity because we've made so little progress on that in the last 30 yeah. years even known it was an issue and and yet i think one of the reasons that we haven't made progress is because we still think that leadership is this kind of macho heroic thing you know, where people rush in brandishing their sword and saving the day and they yeah. drive things and go, follow me. And, and that's generally not the default approach of female leaders and of leaders from other mm. ethnic groups. It's a very mm. white, middle-class, macho male culture. But we've convinced ourselves that that's how it looks. And, mm. you know, I've always liked the phrase, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. And that's part of our challenge is that the people who are at the top benefit from the way it is now. Why would yeah. they want to change it? And they, yeah. they get to earn a great deal of money without making very much difference to the performance of an organization quite often. Uh, and they don't have to be highly skilled at doing it. So mm-hmm. why would they go, I, I know what I'll do. I'll make my life much harder. And <laughs> they're not going to yeah. do that. So we need to drive from elsewhere to, to do that, which maybe needs to come from government. Now, we, we now have apprenticeships at graduate and postgraduate levels in leadership management. Yeah. That's a challenge because, of course, most people in a senior management role do not want to see themselves as an apprentice. Yeah. But we do have thousands of people going through those apprenticeships, which at least gives us a, some kind of a basis for skill level of knowing how to do this properly because it's, yeah. it's quite... It's quite comprehensive and quite intense. You know, mm-hmm. In my school, when we're developing people at graduate, postgraduate, doctoral levels, it's how to be a leader. We put them through the mill. You know, they, they have to do some particularly difficult and challenging things and really think through who they are, what they are, and the effect they have on people. 
Yeah. Is that a lot of leaders, particularly at the top, are delusional. I'm sorry, that's not a word. Delusional. We're going to go with delusional. Yeah, they are delusional, but no, I'm doing it again. They are deluded about <laughs> how good they are and what other yeah. people think of them. Because mm-hmm. this Billy Connolly's great phrase, you know, the Queen thinks the whole world smells of paint. Because you know, <laughs> the, the only time she ever goes anywhere, they've just got it already. And it's yeah. a bit like that for some yeah. leaders. You know, no one tells them the truth. Why would they? It's too dangerous. No. So they, they get smoke blown up their exhaust pipes by everybody else. And they convince yeah. themselves that they're really great. Exactly, but it, that's not getting any easier, is it? Because it's all—it's always been like that. I and mean, I think I said probably last time we spoke, and I've certainly said it on this podcast before. I worked for Safeway, the supermarket, all those years ago, and the suits used to come round, and I still see it in supermarkets now, or I would do if I'd been in one for a year, um, where the suits walk round, and everyone exactly does what you've just said—you know, organises things, <laughs> makes it look good, and everything else. Um, but it's becoming because of media now media reporting even harder you know do you remember years ago we did the um research with ashridge around ceos and engagement and the the thing that really struck me with that was the bit about ceos struggle to be vulnerable to show their vulnerability because they're supposed to be as you said leading from the front macho i know everything sort of thing i can't see how that's going to to change more media sort of um you know, slagging off and everything else when everything goes wrong or, or whatever, um, mm. of those celebrity leaders, if you like. Mm. Yes, it's very true. And I remember that well because I was one of the CEOs that Amy, that Amy uh, interviewed yeah. for that research. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and you're right, that that kind of bulletproof, perfect persona is a, is one of our challenges. I do yeah. think there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a little nugget of hope here, though, which is I think over the next 10 years, the biggest battleground is not going to be marketing and it's not going to be compliance or regulation. It's going to be talent wars. We are heading into a situation where there's way more vacancies than there are talented people to fill them. Mm. And that's getting worse with every passing six months. Organizations Mm. that can't attract the really good people will suffer. They're already suffering. It maybe hasn't played the way through to their financial results yet, but it will. So a lot of those organizations, unless they can find a way of making their organization more attractive to the best people, those people will go to their competition. Uh So they'll lose twice. They'll lose them for themselves, and they'll lose them because they've gone to people that are going to do better than them. So that's a great hope for us for the future. Organizations will be dragged into changing by that. And I'm starting to see some evidence of that. that Okay, at first, a lot of it's about... We must change because we need to hit these results. So if that's what it takes, then we'll do it. But by osmosis, when they start to do it, they start to see the point. Yeah. And they may not yeah. understand what the magic source is that makes that happen, but they will see the benefit of it and do it some more. And we are starting yeah. to see a different cohort of leaders coming up from the bottom. Yeah. One thing that struck me... Sorry. Sorry. your daughter... Go back to your yeah. daughter's situation. I know a yeah. lot of parents of you know, 16, 17-year-old children who are actively now encouraging their children not to go to university. That'll be me. <laughs> right. yeah. We know yeah. 
we've always had this belief that that's how it works. You let people do A levels and then go to university, yeah. and then they yeah. end up entering the workforce in their mid twenties, not knowing how to do anything at a massive yeah. disadvantage. You know, I think yeah. the smart ones are starting to say, actually, that's not how it works anymore. No, and now no. the way it works now is that you get into a, an organisation that you trust and believe in, and you find your place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think the other um, thing to yeah. throw a bit of a, an extra thing in there. Something struck me over the weekend listening to a recent Desert Island disc. It was um, a, a former barrister who um, has I can't remember what her name her name is now, um, but she's recently retired. She's a, um, a peer or something now, um, mm-hmm. and here you go, former judge and crossbench peer, Heather Hallett, and she oh. talked about some of the horrendous sexual harassment that she went through during her career. And I, I wonder, when you're talking about diversity and so on, I wonder whether time has gone on and, and there's so much sort of vocalisation of stuff now that we've got people who aren't going to ruin their own careers by telling the stories now that will start to impact people changing their behaviour because of what happened in the past. Yes, yeah, interesting. And that's a that's a very interesting point too, because I think you're right. There will be some people who think, "Sod it, I'm going to keep quiet and trouser the cash." Um, yeah. You know, on the basis that these this bunch are the ruling body, I'll behave yeah. like them because that gives me the best advantage. But you know, one of the hopes is that if, as we see the talent coming through now, there's not very many of them that feel that way. Quite a lot of them are driven by values stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, change by veganism, by political affiliation, by activism, by all kinds mm-hmm. of things that wouldn't have mm-hmm. been the case in my generation. Um, no. We we didn't feel no, I left school in the in the early seventies and we didn't feel like we had any choices. You were kind no. of funneled into a particular place. So I wasn't even given the opportunity to go to university because I came from a council estate. Yeah. And that you know, people like me went and worked on a production line. I didn't know yeah. nothing that came Oh, that was a, a slightly different way of doing it, but uh, but yeah, yeah, most of the people that I went to school with have started out in some kind of manufacturing or uh, process industry and probably worked their mm. way up in that in 20 years. So, yeah. but now yeah. that's not the case. You know, there is a lot more open access than there used to be yeah. to at least the sector to an organisation, not to leadership, but but once you're in, if you're good, the opportunities will come to fruition if you're smart yeah. and you see them. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're going to see a lot of people coming into certainly first line and middle management who have a very, very different mindset to the yeah. one that I was taught or even the one that you were taught. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Nigel, we've got three minutes left, so you need to, to, to do your last three minutes. <laughs> Okay, and or we'll have to do another show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll turn our, um, our triptych into a quartet or something. I don't know what that works. Um, for me, that because, as was indicated by your comments, you know, people who are in key positions don't really know that the professional qualifications in how to be a, a leader and manager exist. Yeah. Some sectors, they're highly thought of and everybody goes through them. But in a lot of sectors, they don't even know that that's an option. I think we need to encourage our organisations to see leadership and management as a profession and therefore people have to be professional um, mm-hmm. rather than being good at something else. In my article I said, you know, we seem to believe that a dentist should be allowed to fly a plane. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. which is frankly ludicrous. You know, but you know, mm-hmm. because somebody's qualified in something else, you mentioned it earlier, like accountancy or something, that they're okay to be a CEO. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you met any accountants? Um, <laughs> sorry, I've just alienated several million of the UK population, but that's nothing new. Um, but you know, the, the, we can't assume that, we, as we do at the moment, that because somebody's clever, they're clever at everything. If you've got really good right. A-level results, a good degree, you must be okay to do anything. Well, not so. I know of quite a few people that I wouldn't trust to do their own shoelaces who've got uh, a master's or a doctorate. So we've got to start taking that seriously and organisations need to start looking at their own cohort of leaders and managers and saying, actually, how good are these people? So just judging them on the results they get, how good are they as leaders to engage their people, to motivate them, to incentivise them in intrinsic ways, uh, to give attract and keep the best talent that's therefore going to take the organization forward. How good are they at that? Mm. I think mm. if they do that, they'll discover the answer's patchy. Yeah. And I, and I guess, you know, like we said, it's sort of, I mean, nature always says it, a moment in time. But I think, you know, pandemic with, you know, the fact that we're right in the middle of the DNI stuff, we've had, you know, 30 years of, of trying to get this right sort of thing. I, I do, and as you say, a new a new sort of mindset of people coming through, you know, hopefully it's the beginning of a new dawning. <laughs> yes, just in time for me to retire. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can say it was you that did it all. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll take the credit. I'll happily do that. <laughs> Thank you for your time on these shows, Nigel, and for writing the articles for the, the website. It's been so interesting and really adds to the whole conversation around better leadership. So thank you, Nigel. Pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to come back and do some more. <laughs> we will. We will. And just to let you know, next week, Joan Moffat will be back, and she's talking to Shannon, who's Vice President of Communications for Coca-Cola European Partners, and they're talking about creating a sense of community virtually and keeping colleagues connected. So, Joe will be back with you next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.